Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thanks for listening this Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. Topics on today's episode include part one of my interview with Mignon Davis on internal audits, a primer on loan limits and why they're important, and a whole slew of housing data we received yesterday. In terms of liquid assets, cash buyers are big competition for lenders. So it was of interest when Zillow announced that it was pausing in paying cash for houses. But as Stavi's Jeremy Potter points out, that's not really the story. The story is about the future of housing. Matt Levine, author of Money Stuff on Bloomberg, in making a point about buying homes on an instant cash platform, compares homes to bonds. He writes that houses are like bonds in that each is similar, as in each is like a single family home, Yet each is different based on the unique characteristics of that particular home's combination of square footage, roof, layout, etc. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. The firm has also consistently been recognized as one of the fastest growing firms in the country, and has been named to the Housing Wire Tech 100 in Mortgage, Accounting Today Firms to Watch, and the Fastest Growing Firms and an Excellence in Firm Culture by Inside Public Accounting several times. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. Speaking of which, joining us today is Mignon Davis from Richie May. Mignon has more than 14 years of mortgage experience in a variety of roles within the industry, including mortgage servicing, default servicing, and servicing quality control. Mignon has worked various audit and compliance roles and has extensive experience in compliance, internal controls, risk assessment, and operational processes within the mortgage industry. She has deep expertise in the operations of a mortgage company looking through the lens of risk and controls. We are pleased to have Mignon with us on the podcast today. Welcome, Mignon. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for coming on. Uh, So I, I wanted to start with the basics here. What is an internal audit and who needs it? That is a great question. Mortgage companies often respond to a myriad of audits throughout the year, including external and internal audits, and it can be very confusing and hard to decipher between all the various audits. Uh, so I think it's important to understand what the three lines of defense are first, and then it's, it'll be easier to understand what internal audit is. So just like a football team, I need more than one line of defense to protect my business. So let's break that down a little bit. The first line of defense is our operational management. They own and manage risk. So these are like the defensive linemen on the team. But in business, the unit managers are responsible for their own quality of work and maintaining effective controls. And they help the players execute these control procedures on a day-to-day basis. Then the second line of defense is a function that oversees risk. So they're more like your linebackers. Similar to the defensive linemen, they are looking for risks and defending the team. This is normally the compliance department in a mortgage company, and it could also be uh, your QC function. could be servicing QC or pre- and post-closing QC. Those are typically second line of defense. But the second line of defense sets the standard for the first line, and they oversee the risk. They perform oversight functions and monitoring functions. The third line of defense is the internal audit function. 
These are your cornerbacks and safeties on the team. Internal audit provides independent assurance. And just like safeties, they have the biggest and widest field of view within the organization. Internal audit provides the governing body and senior management with comprehensive assurance based on the highest level of independence and objectivity within the organization. Internal audit auditors perform independent systematic evaluations of the effectiveness of internal controls that are employed by management. So now that we've kind of described that a little bit, the next question is, well, who needs it? right? Ideally, everyone needs it. Every company can benefit from internal audit. Some companies may think that they aren't big enough for internal audit, they're too small, but we have clients of all sizes and shapes who use internal audit services to help improve their business and meet their strategic objectives. So uh, key players within the organization typically especially in the first line of defense, they're so far into the weeds of daily operations, putting out fires and, you know, escalations that they really rely on those safeties who are further out and have that wider lens of the field. You know, they have that wider perspective and these safeties can see what's coming and take action to protect the team. And that's exactly what internal audits goal is to come at internal audit or come at the organization with a wider lens and be able to really see what's coming down the line as far as regulations or changes in the environment. And mortgage originations and servicers also need internal audit because Fannie Mae requires internal audit. So if if a mortgage company wants to become Fannie Mae approved in the near future, or if they want to maintain their approval status, they need to have an internal audit function. And when I speak with clients, I tell them that if Fannie Mae comes to your company today to do a Fannie Mae Mora or a Fannie Mae Star, which is the for servicing, they are going to ask for your internal audit schedule and copies of completed internal audits. They're going to even ask for statuses of any corrective, corrective, uh, corrective action plans for findings that have been identified in those internal audits. So working with clients, I found that the consultative insight that we're able to provide really helps them. And it's where the game is won or lost. We work with mortgage companies and servicers that vary in size and structure, and we're able to see what works well for some clients and then roll that information forward to help other clients who are struggling or or need that help. Are you using a football analogy because you're from the Phoenix area and your Cardinals are undefeated or what's what's the reason behind that? Yes, actually, I am from the Phoenix area, and that is a really good point. However, you know, my son's in high school right now, so he's playing football, and so that's really where my head is, (laughs) high school football. (laughs) There you go. Join us tomorrow for part two of the interview. Yesterday's batch of U.S. economic data was consistent with improving consumer conditions and firming residential real estate conditions. U.S. COVID cases have moderated recently, bolstering consumer confidence and business activity. We saw the first upturn in the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index since June, reflecting a feeling of relief about the waning impact of the spreading Delta variant and an improvement in income and labor market prospects. New home sales increased by more than expected in September, up by 14% to an 800,000-unit annual rate, beating the 7% gain in existing home sales for the month. While the pace for September was still well below the peak rate for 2021 of 993,000 from January, concerns that a slowdown in housing activity was underway appear to have been unwarranted, 
Inventory of new homes for sale tightened up to 5.7 months, and the median selling price was up 18.7% year-over-year, which supports the narrative that new home sales are concentrated in higher-priced homes, as inflation pressures and supply constraints are curtailing the building of lower-priced homes. That was not the only housing data point on the day. The Case-Shiller U.S. National Home Price Index increased by a very strong 19.8% for the year ending in August. Though like new home sale prices, the month-over-month gain in the index moderated slightly. All 20 key cities had double-digit year-over-year gains. Phoenix was the strongest, up 33.3% in a year. Minneapolis was at the bottom of the 20-city list, with a still strong 14% year-over-year increase. According to FHFA, home prices rose 18.5% year-over-year, moderating from the month prior and suggesting we may have seen the peak in annual gains for the time being. Based on that home price appreciation gain, we should see a 2022 conforming loan limit around 650000 when officially announced by FHFA, historically after Thanksgiving. Next month's housing price report will be the one FHFA uses to set the new limit. While we're on the topic, MLO should know that loan limits determine the approval guidelines for mortgages within the loan limit range. Conforming, or conventional mortgages, are funded by lenders and sold to either Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, the GSEs, which then pool mortgages and create MBS and sell them to investors. Lenders approve and fund conforming loans using guidelines established by either Fannie or Freddie. There are some slight variances. If a mortgage fits the guidelines, it can be purchased by the GSEs. Investors that purchase MBS from either Fannie or Freddie know that their investment meets the criteria required by the issuing GSE. Loan limits are set to ensure the GSEs are facilitating financing for families that can benefit the most from lower down payment, lower interest rate mortgages. Every year, the loan limits are reviewed and adjusted according to home values across the country. FHFA determines the loan limits with its house price index report, which tracks the average increase in home values over the year and then adjusts the loan limit accordingly. Since the creation of the conforming mortgage products in 1980, with an original limit of 93750 until 2006, there had never been a year without an increase in the loan limit, save for a $150 decline in 1990. From 2006 to 2016, the limit remained at $417,000. In 2008, as a reaction to the severe decline in real estate sales and values, FHFA created the High Balance, or Conforming Jumbo, products for the GSEs, which have slightly stricter underwriting guidelines, higher loan limits, and higher costs and rates. Limits are important because a family needing a mortgage for $600,000 can obtain a conforming mortgage at 3% instead of a higher balance mortgage for 3.25%. The family needing a mortgage for up to what is estimated to be $950,000 next year can now benefit from easier underwriting standards and possibly a lower rate from a high-balance conforming mortgage instead of a jumbo mortgage. Higher loan limits enable families to afford a higher-priced home, or the same-priced home with a smaller down payment. This also has the effect of putting upward pressure on home prices or dampening any slowdown in prices. Turning to today's calendar, mortgage applications increased 0.3% from one week earlier, according to data from MBA's weekly mortgage application survey for the week ending October 22nd. Also out is the September advanced goods trade deficit in at $96.25 billion, September advanced wholesale inventories up 1.1%, advanced September retail inventories down 0.2%, September durable orders only down 0.4%, and durable orders excluding transportation up 0.4% as expected. Later today brings a treasury auction of $61 billion of five-year notes. The desk will purchase up to $4.9 billion of conventional MBS, now that you know what that is, over two morning operations. 
We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth and the 10-year yielding 1.58% after closing yesterday at 1.62%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Bump, bump, bump. Walking faster, he looks back, and through the fog, he makes out the image of an upright casket banging its way down the middle of the street toward him. Bump, bump, bump. Yeah, just like that construction here in New York City. Terrified, the man begins to run toward his home, the casket bouncing quickly behind him. Faster and faster, bump, bump, bump. He runs up to his door, fumbles with his keys, opens the door, rushes in, slams and locks the door behind him. However, the casket crashes through his door with the lid of the casket clapping. Clappity bump, clappity bump, clappity bump, on his heels as the terrified man runs. Rushing upstairs to the bathroom, he locks himself in. His heart is pounding, his head is reeling, his breath is coming in sobbing gasps. With a loud crash, the casket breaks down the door, bumping and clapping toward him. The man screams and reaches for something, anything. All he can find is a box of cough drops. Desperate, he throws the cough drops at the coffin, and of course, the coffin stops. <laughs> I'd like to thank today's sponsor, Richie May. For over 30 years, Richie May has been deeply involved in the mortgage industry to bring solutions and innovation through advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. To learn more about how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.